Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. There is a growing demand for prophets and prophetic ministries in Africa today with so many people longing for somebody who can tell them about their future or what God's plan and will is for their lives, along with that demand has come a supply of prophets, often self-styled prophets claiming to have messages from the Lord for the church, especially in Africa today. As we think about the subject of prophetism, we must remember the several warnings that the New Testament gives believers about the need to understand to identify and how to respond to prophets, especially false prophets, as we see revealed in the scriptures. As we talk about false prophets and false teachers, the man William Branham comes to mind especially. William Branham was an American preacher who is often described as someone who had extraordinary gifts of divine healing and supernatural knowledge. Although he died in an automobile accident in 1965, Many thousands still believe Branham was a prophet sent by God to this generation. In fact, Branham's followers commonly say that he came as the prophet Elijah, the one who would prepare the bride of Christ for the rapture. Branham had a well-known ministry in the 1950s, but lost popularity because of his divisive claims. Today, his doctrines are distributed across the world by so-called message churches. You can sometimes identify these churches by names that include the words end time or Bible believers or little flock or bride or ego or even evening light, but most often tabernacle. To understand Branham phenomenon, to separate the man from the legend, you might say, it's helpful to know some history. What did Branham claim for himself? How and why did his movement grow? Are his miraculous claims supported by evidence? Does his message contradict with the scriptures and does it divide God's people? Branham said he was born in 1909 as the oldest of ten children. He claimed that when he was about seven years old, he heard a voice speaking to him from out of a whirlwind. The voice said, Never drink or smoke or defile your body in any way for there will be a work for you to do when you are older. Branham professed faith in Christ as a young man, and in 1932, a pastor ordained him as an exhorter. In 1933, Branham rented a tent for revival meetings and initially claimed to have baptized 130. As he told this story over the years, the numbers grew to 500, then 1,000 baptized. Afterwards, he started a church, that his converts called Branham Tabernacle. Branham said that in May of 1946, he went to a secret place in the forest to ask God to remove the voices and visions, but he met an angel there who told him he had been called to take the gift of healing to the nations, and that if Branham would be sincere and could get people to believe in him, nothing would stand before his prayer, not even cancer. The angel said that God would provide two signs to confirm the message. The first one was vibrations in Branham's left hand 
by which he would diagnose diseases. The second sign would even be more powerful. Branham would know the secrets of people's hearts, and if they didn't believe the first sign, they would believe the second. The angel said these signs were given so that people would believe in Jesus Christ and bring all the Christians together with no separation by denominations. After Branham returned home and began telling the story to others, he was asked to go to a nearby city and pray for a dying child. Now according to the story, Branham went and the girl was dramatically healed. Other churches invited Branham to hold healing services and they also witnessed amazing healings. At first, most of these services were sponsored by oneness Pentecostal churches which deny the biblical doctrine of the Trinity and are sometimes known as Jesus-only churches. They rented large auditoriums for thousands who came to see Branham. By autumn of 1947, Branham's ministry spread through meetings where the focus was on prayer, healing, and deliverance. Doctrinal disagreements, as you can imagine, were pushed aside because Branham was poorly educated in the scriptures, and in his early revival meetings, in fact, other pastors did the teachings while Branham concentrated on the healing part. People were drawn to Branham because he seemed humble, poor, and not interested in money. At first he tried to pray for everyone who came to his services, but exercising his gift so drained his strength that he was often carried off the platform, totally exhausted. By 1955, the healing revival was fading. Branham sometimes arrived at meetings late, or not at all, which disappointed the hosting churches. Donations fell, churches reduced their support, and the ministry could not pay its debts. Branham became angry that other ministers were developing gifts that seemed like his, with vibrations in their hands, visions, supernatural words of knowledge, and so on. Branham often called them carnal impersonators, and over the next ten years, Branham started more openly teaching doctrines that he had previously revealed only to his followers in his home church, the Branham Tabernacle. It is clear that after 1955, Branham's false doctrines multiplied, and he developed an exaggerated view of his own importance to the Christian church. By the 60s, his followers were treating his every word as a scripture. Branham believed he was God's one and only end-time messenger. For example, he claimed he had a vision of himself ministering inside a tent, performing healings that no other minister could ever do. He said this was proof that God wanted to set him above all other Pentecostal ministers. Later, Branham claimed to have a vision of himself receiving a spiritual gift so powerful that it would enable the body of Christ to go up to heaven in the rapture. He thought he would live to see the return of Christ, which he said would happen by 1977. But in 1965, his car was struck head-on by a drunk driver, and Branham died at the age of 56. His followers began collecting his every recording of his sermons that they could find, nearly 1,200 of them so far. Many are being translated and distributed by an American group called Voice of God Recordings. If you are a Ugandan and you probably have been to the Ruzira area, 
you might have noticed that this is a very prominent place that is easily recognizable, which serves currently as the headquarters for the distribution of these recordings. You should also know that Branham's followers published his sermons, from which we get his two most important books, which he authorized shortly before he died, and that is an exposition of the seven church ages and the revelation of the seven seals. Branham taught many false and unbiblical doctrines, as you can imagine. A careful study of his sermons reveals that he was both ignorant of scripture and desperately confused about what it says about God, about salvation, and other important doctrines of our Christian faith. Let's take a look at five major problems with the Branham message. And the first and greatest problem is what Branham taught about God. Over the years, he repeatedly changed his statements about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, contradicting himself and exposing his deep confusion about God's true identity. A true prophet and a messenger of God will not make false and conflicting declarations about who God is, but again and again, over many years, this is just what Branham did. I could give a variety of examples, but here are just a few. While claiming to be a prophet of God, Branham rejected the biblical doctrine of the Trinity and falsely claimed that Trinitarian Christians believe in three gods. Instead, he claimed that God is only a single, all-powerful being. Concerning Christ or Jesus, Branham's specific teachings in terms of Christ's identity and incarnation are also confusing and often contradictory. He sometimes said that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God when he was on earth, which of course the Bible plainly refutes. He sometimes identified Jesus as being the Holy Spirit and said that God made Jesus to be a sinless human inside of Mary to give a physical dwelling to the Holy Spirit. At least twice, Branham claimed that Mary wasn't really Jesus' mother. Instead, Mary's body was merely an incubator in which the physical body of Jesus developed. He said the Holy Spirit entered into Jesus at his baptism, but then left Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane because he had to die a man. Of course, this is very much like the well-known ancient heresy called adoptionism. All of this is evidence that Branham did not know the true God of Scripture and did not speak for him. But there is more. Second, you should ask, what kind of prophet Branham was? What did he claim to be? And how does it line up with the biblical teaching concerning who a prophet is, and especially a true prophet? Branham's followers believe that he was the promised Elijah, sent before the return of Christ to fulfill Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, which says that, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Though he was careful never to directly make this claim for himself, we also know that he so strongly suggested that nearly all Branhamites today affirm it. And by the way, Branham made the false and unbiblical claim that God uses only one prophet in the world at any time apparently to exalt himself. But search the scriptures, and you will see clearly that God used more than one prophet at the same time. 
For example, when the original prophet Elijah was alive, the prophet Obadiah was also alive. While the prophet Isaiah was active and alive, the prophet Micah was also active and serving the Lord at the same time. Ezekiel and Daniel both prophesied at the same time. The prophets Hosea, Amos, Jonah all prophesied at the same time. Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the people of Judah at the same time. Now, all of this helps us to understand what Branham said about himself in his church age doctrine, which is central to his teaching about Christianity and what God is doing in the world. In the Bible, specifically Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Jesus sends messages to the seven churches located in the different cities in Asia. For example, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, he begins, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, now about this, Branham claimed that these seven churches represent seven time periods or ages, and that the angels are actually human messengers who preached in those ages during their own lifetimes. So Branham said the first period was the Ephesian church age, and the apostle Paul was its messenger starting in the year AD 53. But look closely. And you will see that there are serious problems in Branham's church age doctrine. For example, Branham said that the messenger to the Thyatirian church age was the Irish Saint Columba, beginning in AD 606. Unfortunately for Branham, this is impossible, because Columba died around AD 597, which was nine years before. Also, Martin Ruther and John Wesley whom Branham said were the messengers to the churches of Sardis and Philadelphia, both strongly defended the doctrine of the Trinity, which Branham strongly rejected as a false view of God. It is obvious that Branham, Ruther, and Wesley could not all be messengers speaking for the same God. They all can't have received their messages from the, the, the same God of the Bible, otherwise they would not be contradicting. Now, in spite of such errors and inconsistencies, today Branham's followers proclaim that he is the messenger of the Laodicean church age, the last of the seven churches in Revelation, and that his message is vital for Christians everywhere. The third problem, Branham taught something called the serpent seed doctrine. Branham said Eve's sin in the book of Genesis chapter 3 was having sexual relations with an animal. He said that the serpent looked human, but was pure animal inhabited by Satan. He described the serpent as in between a chimpanzee and a man, but closer to a man. After having sex with the serpent, Eve then slept with Adam. Branham told that Cain came from the seed of the serpent and Abel from the seed of Adam. Now you should know that Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 clearly affirms that Eve bore Cain from Adam, even though Branham has a distorted explanation of this verse as well. Now this is the reason why, if you doubt or reject Branham's teachings, message believers will probably assume that you are one of the serpent's seed, Satan's distinct spiritual offspring. And by the way, according to Branham, because of Eve, Womankind is the primary cause of sin in the world. He even went so far as to say that if a woman cuts her hair, her husband has a right to divorce and leave her. 
serious problems, serious concerns. And as believers, we need to be aware of this. But there is a fourth problem too. Branham denied the biblical doctrine of eternal punishment and said that Satan and the wicked would suffer for a while and then be annihilated, meaning destroyed into nothingness. But you know that Jesus strongly taught eternal punishment, not annihilation. For example, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 46, Jesus says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. If eternal life means never-ending life, then of course eternal punishment means never-ending punishment. Again, Branham was wrong. Problem number five. Branham frequently said that his visions always came to pass and that he had a perfect record of predictions that vindicated him as God's special prophet for the last days. Now this claim, of course, is also untrue. Let me give you an example. Branham predicted that Jesus Christ would return by 1977 and that before this happened, the city of Los Angeles would sink beneath the bottom of the sea. Although he called this a prediction and not a prophecy, he still taught it, and he used these visions to show why we should expect it to come true. Obviously, this prediction did not come to pass, but Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 21 and 22 tells us that such a prediction by a true prophet of God will come to pass every time. So how come it never came to pass? And what does that mean about the prediction or the prophecy of Branham? Now you may be asking, what about his miracles? Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 7 that signs and wonders are not enough to confirm that someone is God's representative or that he or she is telling the truth about God. Again in Matthew 24, Jesus warns that in the last days false Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. And by the way, it turns out that not all the people that Branham declared to be healed actually were healed, and this brought disrepute on the church and grief to his victims, because some Christians went home from the revivals, rejoicing and telling others about their healing, but died instead. Branham's followers are sparing no effort or expense to spread this deceptive and divisive message of his, especially in many languages across Africa. They are using websites, videos, radio programs, books and tracts, even special audio players so that people in remote villages can hear recordings of his voice. Branhamite missionaries are actively seeking to convert pastors especially of Pentecostal churches, but also other denominations, rebaptizing them and making them servants of Branham and his counterfeit doctrine. But what do the scriptures say? First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul exhorts believers that they must be sure to test any message that someone claims to receive from God. And of course, Branham is no exception. There are many ways to do this from scripture. But Deuteronomy chapter 13 provides a clear and simple standard for anyone to distinguish between true and false prophets. In Deuteronomy 13, God declares that if someone claims to be his prophet, but tries to lead people after a different God, or makes predictions in his name that do not come to pass, such a person is to be rejected as a false prophet, and we are not to fear him. 
Now as you can see, Branham fails on both of these counts and many, many, many more. It is important that we understand why we should be concerned about Branham, both the man and his teachings, so that we are not led astray. Especially remembering the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, that watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Again, as we have read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we are called to test everything, to hold fast to that what is good, and to abstain from every appearance of evil. When we as believers are intentionally discerning or seek to be grounded in biblical truth, we will not only beware of the errors and dangers of today's modern prophets, but we will know how to identify them and answer them. And in so doing, we will be grounded in God's truth, we will grow in God's grace, and we will be ably equipped to defend the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For more information about Branham and his errors, please visit our website at www.akfa.org. And please, dear friend, be sure to place your hope and trust in the true and unchanging God of Scripture, the one who has spoken in his unchangeable word. He is the one that you need to listen to, not prophets, not the opinions of men, but the word of God. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.